what I mean by that is PAT members who are interested in supporting our labor partners or supporting different social justice causes throughout the city or the state, um, having them go and, and represent PAT at those types of demonstrations, at protests, at, um, you know, celebrations in the park, all those types of things. I also think that we need to uh, create regular opportunities for affinity spaces for our educators of color and for educators that may just have um, common interests, you know. So something as simple, as silly as it sounds, as simple as hiking outside in a group of educators, like really can bring people together, have some stress relief, um, give them an opportunity to like build long lasting relationships so that they feel joy and actually want to connect with folks when we are going through those hard bargains. Um, even I've thought about over the summer, how we oftentimes as a union just disengage with our members and what are community projects that our members are already engaged in that we could support as a union to bring more educators together. So things like community garden gardens. Um, I just met someone from this wonderful organization called Eco Network the other night at a a Harriet Tubman PTSA meeting and I know they're really wanting to partner. There's so many amazing organizations that do awesome work in the summer that I think we could partner with to to help our members stay engaged. Wow, those are all fantastic ideas and, and you have to go unfortunately. Um, but thank you so much, Jackie, for joining us on KBU. Thank you to our engineer. Thank you um, to Jamie Partridge who will be making this radio ready. And thank you, audience, for tuning in tonight. Thank you, Stephen. This is Rachel Haynes. You've been listening to Labor Radio. Tune in next Monday and every Monday at 6 o'clock to catch another Labor Radio show. Thank you. Baby, you understand me now. If sometimes you see that I'm mad. Don't you know no one alive can always be an angel When everything goes wrong you see some bad But I'm just a soul whose intentions are good Oh Lord, please don't let me be Hello, happy Valentine's Day. You're listening to Prison Pipeline here on KVOO Portland. Before we begin our show tonight, which is an interview with Terry Robinson from Death Row, I want to remind you that this is a great time to become a member of KBU. Show your support for Prison Pipeline and for KBU by becoming a member of KBU today. Just go to kboo.fm give. Help us meet our $15,000 goal. We're community funded and we need your support to get there. So just go to kboo.fm slash give or text to KBOO to 44-321. Thanks and now on for today's show. Yeah. <laughs>
Thank you. Um, this is Kaboo Community Radio. We're talking with Terry Robinson. He is an innocent man on death row in North Carolina. And we're talking about generalities around his case, um, his life prior to being sent to death row, and uh, hopefully how he will come off of death row and you know receive a um, like what he deserves, which is innocence and compensation. Um, so Terry, you were telling we, we were talking before about um, interrogation and the person who committed the crime and um, also accused you of being part of it. Um, you mentioned in your trial that your conviction was based on hearsay testimony from two witnesses, as well as the uh, person who was originally convicted of the crime, and one of them was a family member. Can you talk a little bit about the two witnesses that offered hearsay uh, testimony? Why did they do it? Was What was their motivation, if you know? So one of the witnesses was a, I mean, she was a civilian, you know, she was a, a girlfriend of a friend of mine. Um, being surreptitious and being 
anonymous and it was not for reward money. You know, this family member didn't have the best reputation in the past, you know. I mean, my family, I love them, so I won't drag his name through the mud. I can only speak the truth. They didn't have the best reputation in the family. So originally and initially, we thought it was could have been um, solely about trying to gather some reward money. And it wasn't until later that we realized now that he could have, there could possibly be some involvement by his first cousin. And this was actually an attempt to throw off the, the, the cost from his involvement, you know. Okay. So that's still to be determined. Yeah. <laughs> It, it sounds, I mean, from what you're describing, you're describing a situation in which the police use tactics of intimidation, bullying, lying, deception, and manipulation in order to try to um, get suspects, try to intimidate potential witnesses, and, um, you know, in, like use, use the community resources, which are community resources which are based on trust and are based on cooperation against the community in order to like pull out someone as a uh, as a suspect or as someone to be identified as the person who's going to get fingered for the crime. Does that sound at all accurate to your experience? That is absolutely. I mean, a lot of times the, the people in town and the people in the city, they don't realize how they in, indirectly lend themselves to wrongful conviction. You know, but it's all about conviction and it's about results. And as long as the days produce results, then they get votes, you know, the, 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 the families and the citizens feel safe. So I was the safe bet. You know, I was I was the I was how people were able to sleep at night. Mm-hmm. Knowing that from their point from their perspective, this man killed this this, this innocent man who was working, he deserves to die that's in the death row. Mm-hmm. And even if that was the case, I would make a pitch against death row because a lot of my stay here has been to not only I haven't I haven't promoted my innocence since I haven't went on this campaign of innocence because a lot of people don't understand the difficulties with that being in prison around people, especially hardened killers, and then admitting this weakness that, oh, I don't deserve to be here, I didn't I didn't kill anyone. So you kind of are lulled into this silence where you go through years and kind of plank up the notion of people's guilt about you. You let people believe that you're guilty so that you can fit in, you know, and that, that turns you, that changes you in a way. Yeah. So for 21 years I've been here living like the guilty, you know, trying to figure out my place so that I don't become a victim, so that I don't become a statistic. And yeah. no one knows what that's like, you know, so. So let's talk a little bit about life on death row because I know that we wanted to, I mean, I wanted to make sure we covered some of that because you've really been an advocate like while you've been incarcerated. Um, and that was part of how I first heard about you was how, you know, how you've just been such a great advocate for folks who are on death row, still advocating for people that you're incarcerated with. What is it like living on death row in North Carolina? Wow. for their crimes, you know, so I had to try to figure out how to live in the midst 
system there. And in doing so, I realized that these men aren't hard to kill, that they don't deserve death row, that these men are just flawed. Those, they, these, these, these acts come from um, backgrounds of, of, of abandonment and dysfunction. You know, in some cases, um, mental health disability. These guys here are mentally unstable and simply don't deserve the death sentence. And so I realized that the flaw was on me for, for my preconceived notions of these men, for judging them. And so that's when I kind of, when I saw these men here taking accountability, that's when I realized it was time for me to do the same as well. You or innocent society, we all should take accountability for who we are in life. Still, it must be, you know, maybe part of why you're such a good advocate is because I mean, being someone who's wrongfully convicted, you have that, you just, you have a little bit of an edge, you know, because you're able to look at your situation from the perspective of an outsider, even though you're also an insider. But it sounds like part of what you're saying is that all of the insiders, they've all had their own traumas too. They've had their own process and that they're not like these monsters that society makes them out to be, that they're people who had a lot of trauma. They have a lot of bad breaks in life. Um, you know, and at some point in their life, they made really bad decisions, but they're still human beings. I mean, that is the, that's what we're pushing for. We, we, we are trying to remind people that the human element is that we are all prone, you know, and no one should be held to this highest regard of penalty and punishment for any one act. It's certainly not excusing or demeaning the value of life. And that's kind of the, the, the difficulty with this process is that people don't want to give in to um, another person's um, rede uh, redemption because they feel like they're dishonoring the dead. But we can hold these people uh, fully accountable. I mean, the truth is there are some people who are um, equipped, you know, they are psychologically and mentally equipped to be in society. And they may very well have to spend the rest of their life in prison. But a person still should be, people grow and people change and no one is defined by their one act, even if it is the worst and if it is the worst thing they've ever done, that's not the definition of us. So these people who we are so desperate to send to the execution chamber and put them put them away, these people are still these people are still salvageable. They still have influences that they can lend. There's another generation of kids who are at the at the mound and ready to take their place. They don't know it, but they're ready to take their place in the in the prison system. And some of these people here are are desperate to help. They're desperate to lend their experiences and their hardships and the difficulties so that other people can avoid these same um, circumstances. But we aren't because we are the castaways. We've been thrown aside. We've been deemed invaluable, you know, and not fit to leave. That's just not true. Thank you. Um, we're talking about Terry Robinson. Um, you're listening to KBLO Community Radio. Terry Robinson is an innocent man on death row in North Carolina. He's been on death row for 21 years. Um, so Terry, what does the future look like for you? What are you looking at in terms of, um, you know, your case? Are you, uh, do you have any, anything on the horizon in terms of challenges or, um, you, you know, what, what's going on with your case? Well, I'm, I want to go home. That's the first thing I was saying. I'm striving and we're pushing, we're fighting to get me out of here because 21 years is enough, you know, and I'm tired of being silent. I'm tired of playing up to people's notions. I want to, I want there is people who, if everyone should take accountability, then the people who did this to me should be held accountable as well. And the people who have, sometimes it's not even about promoting my own innocence. I want to highlight the innocence of other people who have been on death row, who have already been proven innocent, are now living as civilians out there with you guys, and are, are thriving. They are prospering. You know, so I want my shot at that. I want to, I want to forgive those who, who created this, who, 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 Against me, and I want to go. I want to be. A, you have 60 seconds remaining. I have kids 
people I don't know, they're grown. And when I talk to them, there's this distance between them and I. They, I try not to, 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 to show it, but I don't know my kids and I don't know my grandkids. You know, so I'm hoping that's something that I can restore that relationship. And I also want to be an entrepreneur. Right now, I'm a writer. I'm hoping I have one book out, Crimson Letters, and I'm hoping to get two more books out before and it must come. So that's my plan. Thanks. So we've been talking today on Prison Pipeline with Terry Robinson, an innocent man on death row in North Carolina. Uh, so Terry, you mentioned that you've written a couple of books. Can you tell us a little bit about your about your book that you've most recently um, published? Yeah, so the one that's out now is called Crimson Letters, um, Voices from Death Row. And it is a compilation of stories from myself and other co-authors here, as well as a instructor who was one time death row had classes here. Man, um, it took a while and it took a lot of effort from administration to get the classes, but for a long time we didn't have phones, we didn't have classes. Then all of a sudden, someone um, advertised the um, the humanity on death row, and the administration just saw it, you know, and then they allowed us to have these classes, these amazing classes, like social psychology, um, speech and debate, a chance class, drama class, all these different these these, these different um, classes. So, and your book is called? Did you say it's called Crimes and Letters? It's called Crimson, like the color red. Oh, Crimson Letters. It's called Crimson Letters, sure. So, like, as I was saying, one of the instructors here, we have a journalist class, journalism class, one of the instructors here, um, her stay was here was short, you know, but when she, when she, when she left, I say that when she left, she made an uh, effort to connect with us and ask us to continue our journey. And so we started sending essays, and the essays were compiled and went into a book. So Crimson Letters is a reflection, you know, it's, it's People do it on the outside too. <laughs> Believe me, they do it on the outside just as much. Your role play games are—they are—they are our savior. They are our salvation. And we get into we're starting the mornings and like this will just melts away. You know, we just take on these characters and we um, embody this this world. We just live in, and then we don't come up for air until it's time to come back death row again. And so I realized that when I was younger, I had a love for fantasy. I had a connection with fantasy. But when I stepped off the porch, you know, what I mean. Like myself to 
you'll know that it's okay to explore uh, and express our love for fantasy. That's great. Um, I, I'd like to ask, so the book Crimson Letters, is that available? Can people find that anywhere like online or at a bookstore? Do, do you know? It is. It's available at, I mean, several bookstores, but it's available on Amazon.com. Okay, and it's called Crimson Letters. Do you know who the compiler was of it? Like, is it does it have an author who's kind of put everything together? Or is it just called Crimson Letters? Yeah, it's called Crimson Letters, and there's a subtitle, uh, Voices from Death Row, and the authors are myself, uh, uh, three of my co-authors here on Death Row, George Wilkinson, Michael Braxton, and Lyle Lee. Great, okay. And then, the, and then, uh, and then there's the, the instructor, who has a lot of commentary, her name is Kathy Castillo. Okay, great. And they can also look on Amazon. It's called Crimson Letters, Voices from Death Row. Great, thank you. Um, so it, it sounds like you've really found a, a place for yourself doing writing, and you've written these two fantasy books. Can you tell me a little bit more about them? About the co-authors? No, about your, about your two fantasy books you've been working on. Oh, well, the one of them is a fantasy book, and one is a memoir. So what... I had the, the, the notion to write this memoir based on, so I write for another site, uh, Walking Those Shoes. It's a blog that features inmates writing across the nation. They do great things like um, writing contests and book club. We have a book club here that, um, we, that we found it here, but it's sponsored by Walking Those Shoes. And so um, as I was writing these essays for this site, I realized that it chronicles my life, you know, and there is there's still some unresolved issues from my past that I'm, I'm facing now through my writing. And so I thought that I would kind of really organize it. You know, the the, the site is, is prompt-based. Well, you can kind of write about anything, but my features and my essays are more prompt-based, kind of emotionally-based. Whatever I'm feeling at the time, I kind of write about it. But the memoir, I want it to be more organized. I want it to be more chronicled. You know, so I'm working on the memoir. Um, and it's called Tales from the Hood, um, a roadmap to death row. I, want, I never saw myself ending up on death row. I know some guys here who have, um, that have admitted to their crimes, still didn't get themselves on path to death row. So I want to share with the viewers what that looks like. And as far as the fantasy book, it is, I have a huge love for vampires and werewolves and angels and demons and anything my mind can kind of grasp, kind of fathom. So this book is, it is the nucleus of the book is about um, a, 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 a coven of vampires who I guess I want to cast as but kind of transition them throughout the course of the book so that they can possibly be looked at as protagonists because some people like the bad guy. Some people root for the bad guy, you know. So I don't want this this um, this theme of a vampire itself to uh, sit, actually play to people's notions. They know it must be a, a bad person because I was looked at as bad, you know. And I thought that some of the things I did in my life certainly didn't um, weigh to my morals and my, and my good um, um, standings, you know. But I wasn't a bad person. You know, a lot of guys here aren't bad people, so this book is kind of as indicative to um, the people I've seen in my life, you know, we can start out as antagonists. You know, I, I believe no one starts out as, as, as bad, I believe we're all inherently good, but in life we can make bad choices, and according to other people, especially those that we're wrong, we can be looked at as the antagonist or the bad guy. Mm -hmm. So these vampires, it's, a, it's about a group of vampires who starts out as, you can certainly see their needs and their misdeeds and, and see that they are the antagonists. And then my challenge is to try to transition them into the heroes. Yeah. Wow, thank you. So the, you mentioned a blog that you write for. Uh, that's something that people could read if they want to learn more about your writing. Did you say that's called Walk in Their Shoes? It is. It's 
Walk in, let me make sure I've got that right. Walk in those shoes. It's founded by Kimberly Carter. Kimberly Carter. Okay, great. And that's called Walk in Those Shoes. That's a blog for people who are incarcerated to post some of their and so they can find your writings there by Terry Robinson. Oh, and so if they go to Walk in Those Shoes, they can find some of your writings uh, by Terry Robinson. Well, they'll probably find it under my writer's name, which is Chanton. C H A E T O N. Oh, great. Okay, thank you. Chanton. That's your writer's name. Cool. That's great. Terry, how did you pick a, How did you pick your writer's name? Ah, that's a long one. <laughs> but I'd better give you the short version. Yeah, probably. <laughs> this is radio. Yeah, so, it, so it stemmed from a period here on death row where, so sometimes I get this notion that, and this idea that death row is just this cordial place and there's this brotherhood and, you know, we're all brothers of the same affliction and it. But there are some struggles here. There are some differences and disagreements and dissonance and those things, you know. We have our issues. So it's not this squeaky clean place, you know. And I have been the subject of some victimization, you know. So I've been victimized. I'm not the only one, you know. But sure. guys can be petty. Some of guys here haven't. We, have, we weren't forced to grow up. We don't know what it's like to be adults in life. We became men here. So a lot of times we give results to a child's weight. And there was this period where guys had tried to call me out on some things I didn't do. Um, they tried to label me as a snitch. That's the worst definition. That's the worst reputation you can have in prison. I don't have to tell them listen to that. You know, mm-hmm. you know and it wasn't true. You know, and at that point, I just realized that I had been called a lot of things. That was the last straw. Like, all my nicknames, and like, even my government, and even Terry Robinson, it wasn't about my choosing. Like, all my life, I had been called a murderer. I had been called this, and I, been, and I never had a chance to call myself what wanted to call what I wanted to be defined as. So Chanton was just an attribute that really defines who I am. It's like, it highlights one of my greatest characteristics, which is my love for reggae music, because I'm always singing reggae music. And so Chanton is just a, a, an homage to that. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I love reggae. Reggae's great. <laughs> that's great. Um, so I think we've probably just got um, maybe, I don't know, maybe two or three minutes left. Um, we've been talking to, today with Terry Robinson. Terry is a man on death row in North Carolina, um, a writer, um, an author, and also a mentor. Uh, Terry, is there anything that we haven't covered in um, our talk today that you'd like to make sure to get out there? I would, I would ask the listeners to challenge their notions and their preconceived notions. And remember that we are a product of a shaping in our life. There are people that was in our life when we were younger, our household experiences, our experiences outside the household, those things shape who we become and the things that we believe, but they don't always have the right of, you know, and sometimes we feel certain ways about people, especially with innocent people, without giving the notion a chance. So I would much rather for people to um, question, at least question the person's innocence, as opposed to casting them off, because there are too many convictions where people are in prison and where they were falsely accused. And if there's one person that's behind bars or something they didn't do, then it means that we are failing as a people. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's a great way to end. Uh, so, Terry, um, <clears throat> I, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us on Prison Pipeline. It's just been so informative, and I really wish you the best with your case moving forward. Um, I hope that you get exonerated very soon and that um, you're compensated for the time that you've been incarcerated. And, um, you know, um, I also want to make sure people know that if they want to find out more about your writings, they can look you up online. They can uh, go to Crimson Letters, Voices from Death Row. 
to find some of your writings and also walk in those shoes. Um, and your writer's name in that blog is called Chanton. So thank you so much, Terry. Mm-hmm. Please. Thank you so much, Terry. It's just, it's been a real pleasure talking to you and getting to learn more about your story. Um, I just, you know, it's, it's so informative and I really hope that our listeners tonight have had a chance to be informed about your case. Sure. Thank you. Have a good one. Have a happy holiday. Thank you. Thank you. Same to you. Thank you very much. You have 30 seconds remaining. Thank you for listening to Prison Pipeline tonight here on KBOO Community Radio. Before we go, I just wanted to remind you that this is a great time to become a member of KBU. Show your support for Prison Pipeline by becoming a member of KBU today. Remember, 80% of our funding comes from our members, and less than 10% of our listeners are members of KBU. We're an independent, community-supported, volunteered power radio, and our programming focuses on unique issues that you may not hear in the corporate media. So if you can, please help us meet our goal of $15,000. We're community funded and we need your support to get there. Just go to kboo.fm slash give or text to kboo to 44321. Thanks so much and have a great evening. Baby, you understand me now. If sometimes you see that I'm mad Don't you know no one alive can always be an angel When everything goes wrong you see some bad But I'm just a soul whose intentions are Hi there. If you'd like to learn more about Terry Robinson and read some of his writings, I would encourage you to go to the website walkintheshoes.com. That's walkintheshoes.com. And look under the category Terry Robinson. Terry Robinson is very likely an innocent man who has sat on death row for over 20 years. Walk in Those Shoes contains collections of essays from people sentenced to death and on solitary confinement. It's a great resource for learning about people and their lives while in custody. Again, if you'd like to learn more about Terry Robinson in this case, please go to walkintheshoes.com and look for Terry Robinson. Thank you so much.
You're listening to KBOO Portland on 90.7 FM, K282BH Philomath on 104.3 FM, and K220HR Hood River on 91.9 FM.